0: All right. Hey, good morning, church fam. How you guys doing this morning? <sighs> Come on now. I know it's a first service. Come on, let's get the energy going. How are y'all doing this morning? A little better. All right. It's a little better. Hey, my name is Andrew Crowell. I'm the student pastor here at our Ross campus. I'm so excited to be preaching and be with y'all this morning. I want you guys just to turn to someone next to you. Give them a high five. Let's just start off with some good energy. High five. High five, somebody. If you're watching online and you don't have someone to high five, here you go. Ready? One, two, three, digital high five. Nice. Excellent. We are continuing our series today. That's a great question. But before we get started, I have to confess something to you guys. I have trust issues. I, I have bad trust issues. Like, I had like, really cool parents, great parents, good authority figures in my life growing up. My trust issues come from me and my friends doing the stupidest stuff to each other growing up. Did <laughs> you guys have dumb friends growing up? Yeah? Like, so we were in class. Like Someone would be like, leaning back in their chair. right? You just kick that chair out from under them and they just fall back. Right, that happened all the time. Or when we were jumping on trampoline, this one was terrible. Like We'd jump on the trampoline, right? you find that sweet spot where that person just goes really high, and then we would shove that person to where they just fall on the ground and not back on the trampoline. It was great, yeah. So I grew up in New Mexico, uh, and New Mexico backyards, let me tell you, are a little different than Ohio backyards. Uh, New Mexico backyards, uh, they're dirt, uh, they're rocks, and not just any rock, they're volcanic rock. And there's like thorn bushes, like grass, grass doesn't grow in New Mexico. That, that's just one thing. And then the, the fences are not like these nice wooden fences, like they're cinder blocks. All right. The only saving grace about my backyard growing up was that we got a cool view of the mountains. That was the only thing. The backyard was ugly. But I remember like in high school, I was sitting on top of this cinder block fence, talking with this girl that I liked at the time. And a buddy came up, grabbed my legs and flips me over the fence. I fall back. Uh, I get welts all over my arms, scrapes all over my arms. I'm bleeding. I land in this thorn bush, totally embarrassed. I get up, collect myself, and my friends are just laughing their heads off. It's great. So you see, I I have trust issues. I have trust issues. Not everyone has a story like mine, though. Maybe for you, you grew up in a broken home, a place where you should feel safe, where you should have trust. So maybe your parents fought all the time. Maybe they divorced, so you have some trust issues with authority figures. Maybe for you is abusive relationship. The person said that they loved you, that they'd do anything for you, but you just ended up feeling a lot of emotional, spiritual, maybe physical abuse. Could be a coworker. Maybe you're on a project, and when they turned that project in, they stabbed you in the back, cut you out of the deal. Maybe you just had a friend who gossiped about you in some way, and broke your trust there. When these storms of trust come into our lives, it, it, it rocks it. It rocks, it rocks our lives. and It makes it difficult for us to have trust. It makes us feel uncertain or anxious about certain things. There's this moment in Scripture where literal storms are thrashing against the disciples' fishing boats. During these storms, there's this moment where they sometimes were just filled, filled full of doubt. Filled full of uncertainty. So our big idea for the day is Jesus requires trust. Everyone say that with me. Jesus requires trust. And we'll be looking at a question Jesus asked one of his disciples, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 14. Be in verses 26 through 31. Go ahead and open your, if you got your Bible app, pull that out. Hey, if you do not have a Bible, after service, stop by the hub. We would love to bless you with a Bible. So make sure you stop by on your way out and grab one of those. We'll be in Matthew 14, verses 26 through 31. By this time in Matthew, Jesus was at the high point of his ministry. He just fed 5,000 plus people with two, lo- or two fish and five loaves. That's insane. Working such an amazing miracle, he dismissed the crowds and his disciples, and Jesus goes off, probably get some downtime. Spent some time with his heavenly father. Jane mentioned it a couple weeks ago that Jesus was sleeping on the boat when these storms hit, right? And if we're trying to learn from Jesus to live like Jesus, I think it's easy to say that we should all be taking naps. Can I get an amen? Come on. Especially when the storms of life hit. Just sleep all your problems away and they'll all go away, right? So the next morning Jesus gets up and wants to catch it with his disciples Uh, But his disciples were far out on on the water on their boat. So casually, Jesus, just being Jesus, uh, just walks out on the water. You know, no big deal. Just walking on water. Verse 26 says this, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out, and they cried in fear. Like, we can read this now and laugh, like the disciples thinking Jesus was a ghost. Like, come on, dude. You've been, like, spending your whole life with this guy. You don't recognize Jesus walking on water. But let's be honest, if any of us were in that boat and you saw someone walking on water towards you, you're going to wish that wasn't just some little paddle boat. You probably had a nice big onboard on motor to speed the heck out of there. Verses 29, or 27 through 29 says, but Jesus immediately said to them, hey, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Can anyone relate to that response Peter gave? Like, I do that kind of questioning sometimes with God, more than I like to admit. Like, we challenge God. There's like this lack of deep trust. Well, God, I'll tell you what, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. God, if you provide this, I'll do this. God, if you just show me a sign. God, if you just give me an answer. God, if you just heal this person. God, if you just heal me. God, if you just dot, 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 the list goes on and on and on I feel like we want these tangible practical answers. We want God to be our genie in a bottle. We want God to prove that he is trustworthy. Like are we seriously demanding that God earns his trust from us? Peter doubt Peter doubted coming from this place of doubt and a lack of trust. Peter's almost looking for Jesus to prove himself. I think we we do that sometimes in our lives. Jesus answers back with this. He says, come on. He said, Peter got out on the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Peter, Peter, Peter. Totally ignoring the miracle that he was walking on water. Hello. Like... He notices these waves and the wind and the storm, and he takes his focus off of Jesus. Can get baseball players in here? Like generally, what's like the first rule of baseball, right? Keep your eyes on the ball, right? Keep your eyes really on anything you want to focus on. Uh, I'll share a little story here. Uh, my in-laws are in town. Give a shout out. Yeah? In-laws right there. Come on. Woo! It's also my father-in-law's birthday and my wife's birthday. Shout out. Uh, So uh, I'll share this story since they're in town, and I'll never live this down. Uh, So when me and Samantha were dating, um, I thought it would be a good idea to try to impress uh, my future father-in-law by playing on his uh, softball team. Uh, I'm not that good at baseball. Maybe not even good enough to play, but uh, he had pity on me and let me play on his team. And there was one game where I get this hit. I was like, sick. Sick. And I'm running for first base. I look to see like who's trying to throw me out. I take my eyes off of the bag, right, and I just biff it over first base. I trip. I tumble. Like it's ugly. It's nasty. I, I, to make things worse, I get up and I'm like, oh, like did I make it? Am I safe? My father-in-law is telling me, dude, go to second base. Go to second base. I'm like, why? Why? Why do I need to go to second base? Like, why are you telling me to do this? The ball was overthrown, so I was supposed to take second. And I'm like challenging him, like losing all my brownie points in front of this guy. Like, oh, I look like an idiot. Moral of the story is, don't try to impress a future in-law by something you're not good at, okay? Just don't. But it's also, don't take your focus off of Jesus. Maintain your focus. Peter took his focus off of Jesus and instead was so worried about the environment around him, so worried about the wind and the waves, he lost his focus and he began to sink. We keep reading here, it says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. It says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And that's our big question for the, the week, right? Why did you doubt? Why did you take your eyes off of me? Why did you lose trust in me when you lost your job? Why didn't you trust in me that I had something bigger or better in mind for you? Why, when you got that bad diagnosis, you turned to earthly pleasures or things in your life to bring you this peace and comfort? Why, when that boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you, did you immediately go looking for this new relationship to fill your sadness or fill some kind of hole inside of yourself? Like, I get it. When things don't go our way or when life throws us that curveball, it's easy to doubt God's goodness. It's easy to turn to earthly things that we already trust, that we already use to escape. We're not always going to understand why things happen or understand why God is leading us down this certain path. But following Jesus means we have to take steps of trust even when we do not understand. So how can we give Jesus our trust? How can we live in such a way that when storms hit us, we have full faith and trust that Jesus is going to carry us through those storms? I got four, four easy steps for us. Four steps that we put into play, I think will help us ease into trusting Jesus more. That first one is you got to admit your doubt. You have to admit your doubt. We see in verse 26 that the disciples doubted what they saw. They it said, It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. I don't know, maybe it was just the strain of fishing or being on the water too long, but seeing a person walking on water could drive you to doubt or question what you're seeing. Like, how do you doubt God in your life? How does it look like for you? What are those trust issues that you're battling? We all have them. Like, we all go through difficult seasons where trust just chips away at us a little at a time. But during those seasons or circumstances, we have to admit our shortcomings, we have to admit our trust issues. We have to tell God that we're struggling. There's this stigma going around. Like we feel like we have to hold in our doubts, hold in our struggles. Like don't let anyone know. I don't want to seem weak. I don't want anyone to think that I struggle with something or that I'm doubting something. Or I have these issues in my life. Holding on to that only causes us to be dragged deeper and deeper into trust issues. and makes it harder to get help. Confess where you are weak, confess that you're having a difficult time trusting. Share your doubts. God can handle it. Believe me, God can handle your doubts. We need to admit our doubts, and we can start to learn how to trust God. So, admit your doubt. The second thing is you got to take risk, and you have to repeat it. Take risk and repeat. I wonder what would have happened if Peter never got out of the boat. Like Peter's, like, hey, I know I'm in this storm, waves are crashing around me, but I know this boat. I've been in this boat probably my whole life. I understand this boat. This boat is comfortable. God, I don't know what's outside of this boat. I don't know what it looks like out there. Like, have you guys ever been there? Uncertain about what's ahead, so you just stay idle. You stay with what's comfortable. The comfort zone, man, it's, it's nice, it's cozy, it's warm. But there is nothing good found there. Lazy things are found there. One of the grossest things you can see out, like on the water, like when I, when I go fishing, one of the grossest things you can see is stagnant water. Have you guys seen stagnant water before? That's disgusting. There's no movement there's no movement in that water. That water stays still, so all the trash collects on it. All this gross stuff can grow on it, like mosquito larvae grow on it. All right, it's nasty. It's stagnant water. It smells disgusting. Like not to make this nasty reference, but your life without risk is stagnant water. Your life is all right. Your life is gross. Don't stay idle. Don't become stagnant. All that doubt that was there will build stronger because of your lack of action. We see in verse 29, Jesus calls Peter out, and Peter and Peter lays his doubts and fears aside, getting out of his comfort zone. He gets out out of the boat. Jesus says, Come on, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. I'm telling y'all right now, get out of your boat. Get out of the boat. Take the risk. Keep taking it. Don't stay still. Don't become stagnant. I had a good friend of mine back in Texas always tell me, oh, you got to risk it to get the biscuit. I don't know what the biscuit is, but I love biscuits, so I'm going (laughs) to risk it. You got to risk it to get the biscuit. Tweet that out. I mean, that's probably what everyone's going to remember today. Everyone say, risk it to get the biscuit. (laughs) Come on third thing, expect uncertainty to return. Expect uncertainty to return. Like these action steps aren't going to be easy. And one thing I can guarantee is that uncertainty will return. It might creep back up into our lives. I'm sure you guys have already seen this play out. I mean, I felt it. Like I just moved my family over 900 miles from Dallas to Cincinnati. In Dallas, we were comfortable. We had a great house We had great friends, great jobs. We were close to our family. I was close to my mediocre sports teams, okay? (laughs) But we felt God calling us to leave, and we did. We got out of our boat. We got out of our comfort zone. Those first couple months, man, they're a little rough trying to adjust to a new city, new culture, try to find new friends, a new church. I'll tell you what, man, White Oak, y'all, it's amazing people. It, it It made it really easy to feel welcome here. But we still struggle with some uncertainty. Peter did as well. Verse 30, Peter says, but when, the, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I could promise you there is always going to be storms outside of your comfort zone. But it's the storms that grow us that make us rely on God's goodness, that make us rely on God's grace. The more we practice this, the easier it can be to cry out to Jesus just like Peter did. When life storms are hitting all around us, it should become easier. That fourth step, embrace the presence of God and repeat. Repeat. As Peter was outside the boat, he was filled with doubt, probably scared to death. I'm not sure any human has ever walked on water before. I don't know. But what he did, he cried out to God. He cried out and literally reached for the only person that could save him. The one person that could save him from that storm. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. I remember when my daughter was learning to, to swim and, and jump in the water, she would always ask, like, Daddy, you going to catch me? And I always respond, yeah, Boo-boo, of course, I'll, I'll always be here to catch you. I'll always be there to catch and embrace you. Which in all re- reality, I mean, dads, like we, we say we're going to be there, but man, we might not always be. If me, some sinful, imperfect, basic human being can promise to always catch my daughter, how much more can a perfect, holy, loving, caring God catch and embrace you? It's been awesome being a father. And honestly, like it's helped me to understand more of how God is this ultimate father, always there to care for, to correct, to teach, to love, to bring us hope for eternity. I mean, maybe for some of us, we didn't have a great example of an earthly father or didn't have one at all, so it's hard to see God as this loving father figure. Whatever your situation, God is there. God is there. He's standing outside the boat, calling you out and ready to embrace you when you have trust issues, when you have doubt. We're ready to embrace you when you fall. We have to embrace the presence of God because he is trustworthy. I mean, he made us. He knitted us inside of our mother's womb. Luke's 12, 12 7 mentions that he knows the amount of hair on our heads. That's awesome. For some of us, they're a little bit easier to count than others. <laughs> I don't know about you, but... But if someone went to all that length and detail to create me and know me, I feel like that person could be trustworthy. Trust him. Embrace his presence and continue to do so. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Why did you take your eyes off of me? Why did you not trust me in the storms of life? As much as I would never want to hear my Savior ask me that question, I'm sure he has screamed that at me several times in my life. When life is good, it's easy to trust. Oh, so easy to trust when life is good. But when the storms of life start to pound, our propensity towards trust quickly slips to doubt and uncertainty tell you this, Jesus did not waver and neither should we. If Jesus can walk on water, if he could turn water into wine and give you living water, surely he can keep you from the waters that threaten to rock your boat. Our doubt should drive us to trust. Our doubt, our insecurities should drive us to trust God more. Jesus requires trust. If you're struggling with trust, or if you just have questions about who Jesus is or need some prayer, come find me. I would love to chat. I'd love to pray with you. Come find our campus pastor, Chris. We'll have a prayer team at the end of service down here too. If anyone come down, we would love to pray for you. Don't wait Don't let doubt and uncertainty sink in to your life. Let me pray for us. God, you're so good. God, thank you that you do not waver. God, thank you that you're bigger than our doubts, that you're bigger than our trust issues, that you're bigger than our struggles. God, that you are bigger than our sin. Father, I pray for everyone in this room, Father, myself included, that when storms of life hit us, that we we get out of the comfort zone, that we can trust you, that we can lean into you, Father, because you are good. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for a hope of eternity, Father. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.